I was reading John Ortberg's book last week, The Me I Want to Be. I was rereading it, actually. And uh, he was talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, surrendering to Him constantly, which is the only way to live. And, and I love this chapter, Surrender is a Continual Experience. He writes this. He said, we're called to surrender day by day and moment by moment. In the moment, it feels like death. But in reality, he says the only way to live. And then he gives an example. He says, suppose somebody in the workplace does something to me that really makes me angry. The situation is complicated, so I'm not even really sure the right way to respond. And without even trying, my mind fills itself with all kinds of bad thoughts. In the moment, I, know what I, should, I don't know what I should do, but the thoughts come from God. I know what I shouldn't do. No murder. Okay, so I won't kill him. No violence. Okay, I won't have them beaten up. No gossip. Now, wait a minute. If I, if I agree to no murder or violence, can we at least keep gossip on the table? He says, no, no. Surrender means that I'm going to seek to handle the problem facing me in a way that honors God. The options that look attractive to me, avoiding, evading, gossiping, and blasting, I'm going to relinquish to God. Now, if my hurt runs really deep, it's going to be about five minutes before the revenge, the revenge fantasies resurface again. But now I can recognize them quicker and yield sooner. And then he writes, this is so interesting. In my life and in your life, there will always be questions before us, how to respond. The question becomes, who's driving? And I can have a rebellious heart on one thing, and that's telling God to stay out of my car altogether. I'll go where I want, when I want. It's my life, and I'll live it. Or number two, I can have a divided heart, keeping Jesus in the car, but driving myself saying to him, I'm going to keep this area, this pattern, this relationship under my own control. I'm going to hang on to this grudge. I'll enjoy the pleasure that I get from this habit. I know you want full surrender in my life, but I'm not sure I trust you completely. The problem, John says, in living this way with a divided heart is it makes us miserable. Isn't that the truth? <clears throat> and aren't we living in a day with the, of the divided heart? We're trying to figure out what to do with all of these issues social issues, economic issues, political issues, COVID issues. We're all trying to figure out what to do. Now, this is good teaching. John Orkberg's teaching always are, but <clears throat> I can't give him full credit for this because somebody else did this teaching uh, a few years earlier. In fact, all the way back to around 60 AD, it was the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, Paul says, you do it with Jesus. Whatever decisions you're going to make about this or that or whichever direction you're going to go, you do it all for Jesus, you do it all with Jesus. This is very easy teaching, but it's hard to live, especially these days. Several years ago, Andrew and Scott and I spent all week, Shark Week, glued to the TV. Uh, we love Shark Week. I mean, we TiVo'd it. That's how long ago it's been. TiVo'd Shark Week. For some reason, Scotty loved to watch big sharks eat people. I mean, it's something about him. He really loved that. And I remember watching that, that uh, most of the people, not well, a lot of the people, not all of them for sure, uh, that were eaten or bitten by sharks were surfers. And as I was watching that, I got to thinking how similar our lives uh, trying to practice this presence of God deal that we talk about all the time at South Union and surfers really are. Because, you know, to a surfer, it's all about finding the next wave. That's the whole reason they're in the water is to get the next wave. If they miss that wave, they don't boo-hoo and get all upset and cry about it. They just catch the next one. Because that's the thing about the ocean. There's always another wave. 
And it's the same thing with you and I living, surrendering our lives to God. We ought to be making all of our decisions as Christians based on our prayer life, finding out what the Lord wants us to do. That's great. That's what we should do. But if you miss one of those moments, you don't cry about it. You don't pout about it. You don't beat yourself up. You just catch the next one. And the neat thing about it is you don't have to stop anything you're doing to catch the next one. That takes all the pressure off. We talk about this all the time at this church. You don't have to change your job. You just do your job with Jesus. Remember how we talked about that? You go to bed at night with Jesus. You get up in the morning with Jesus. You eat your breakfast in the morning with the Lord. You drive to work in the morning with Jesus. It's that kind of thing. You decide what you're going to do with the mask and the vaccine and the social justice and the political issue and the economic. You, you do all that with Jesus and for Jesus. You decide what TV program you're going to binge watch with Jesus. You, you decide which movie you're going to go see with Jesus. You decide who you're going to date. Who you're going to, you do it all with Jesus. Man, that's the way to live, and that's what normal should look like for a Christian. It's just tough these days. Years ago, I read this amazing book called Practicing the Presence of God, and I, I passed it out to a lot of people here. We bought a bunch of copies. Remember it? It was uh, Brother Lawrence. He was a 16th century monk, as translated, because I don't speak monkish. But man, it was amazing. This guy was tuned in to God. You know what I'm talking about? He said, get this, he said that his prayer time didn't look any different than the rest of his time. Wouldn't that be amazing, to live your life that way? You say, what, we, what would we get out of that? <laughs> Other than living every moment of your life in the presence of the creator of the universe, all kinds of benefits come by tuning into him all the time. For example, you get to hear God speak. He still speaks today. You did know that, didn't you? I mean, you read through the Bible, and you see it over and over again. Adam and Eve heard from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. God spoke to Moses. The word of the Lord came to Abraham. The Spirit moved Peter. I mean, all through the Bible, you see God speaking to people, and we just need to remind ourselves from time to time that the same God that spoke then is still speaking today. He didn't lose his voice. He's speaking all the time to us, and, and He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to remind ourselves today, I mean, especially today, you and I are filled with the very Spirit of Jesus Christ, living inside of us, empowering us, equipping us, guiding us and leading us, tell us what to do here and what to do there and what to say here and what not to say there. It's an amazing, indescribable gift, and it never, ever leaves us. But here's what we can do with it. We can quench the Spirit. We can ignore the Spirit, we can subdue the Spirit, and we do that a lot. And here's the deal, the Holy Spirit's not going to push Himself on you, He's a gentleman. And we do the same thing with, with God when, when He speaks to us. We ignore it. He's not going to push that. And I, I don't know why we don't want to hear from God these days. I think there's a bunch of reasons. I think, number one, in this brotherhood, you know, in a Christian church, not so much this church, we've come a long way. We've got a long way to go. But I grew up in a Christian church, and you start talking about the Holy Spirit moving and speaking to people, and it's, it creeps people out. You better watch that guy. Pretty soon he's going to be lifting his arms and swaying, you know, watch him. He's charismatic or something. And so we've shut that down over the years. I think another reason we don't hear from God all the time is because we're thinking to ourselves, you know what, God's pretty busy, and if He's going to take the time out to talk to me, that can only mean one of two things. He either wants me to do something, or He wants me to stop doing something, and we don't like either one of those ideas. And so we just tune Him out. We put our theological fingers in our ears, and we hum, you know? 
I, I think another reason sometimes it holds us back from hearing from God is every now and then we'll get this goofball, this goofhead that will knock off a convenience store or take out an abortion clinic or kill an entire family and then say, God told me to. Oh yeah, God told you to? What, what were you and God smoking when he told you to do that? You know what I mean? Because we know God doesn't speak like that, but here's the deal. Uh, we're so afraid that he would speak at all and then somebody says he said something like that, and we just turn it off completely. Or some of us have heard over the years or been taught over the years that God only speaks to preachers and priests and nuns and paid professionals. Well, I want to tell you something. I've never believed that. I was just praying about this this morning. As far back as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, I've been talking to God, and he's been talking to me. Now, God has never spoke to me audibly. Not yet. I begged him to. But he speaks to me all the time. And listen, most of the time, he doesn't use people to do it. He has before. He's used some of you to really lay it on me before. But most of the time when God talks to me, he talks to me. There's only one mediator between man and God, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus and I just happen to be pretty tight. I know some of you are saying, okay, well, I get that, Cain, but here's the deal. I got so much junk in my life, maybe when I clean things up a little bit, God will speak to me. Okay, I, I hear you. Now, I mean, seriously, maybe, maybe when I start, you know, reading the Bible a little more and, and maybe get rid of this and maybe start coming to church and read, you know, do things like this, maybe God will speak. Okay, I get it. I hear you. Let, let me ask you a couple of questions, though, at this point. Number one, does anybody in here really believe that? And number two, if you do believe that, let me ask you the second question. Do you remember what you get when you cross a crocodile with an abalone? You get a crock of baloney, that's right. And that's exactly what you got if you think you're not good enough for God to speak to you. It's a crock of baloney. Get quiet sometime and read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, the sheep and the shepherd. God is talking all the time. The reason the shepherds could, or the sheep could hear him is because they spent so much time with him. You just got to get quiet and listen for him. One more huge benefit of living each moment with the Lord and this whole business of the Holy Spirit guiding you every day, is it makes life so much easier. I mean, just think about it. All these things we just talked about, all these decisions that we got to make, instead of looking for it on Fox News or CNN or the Internet and then fighting over it each other on Facebook, you just sit down with the Holy Spirit and ask Him, what do you want me to do? i got this real important meeting coming up with my friends tonight, Lord. What can I say and what can I not say? It makes life so much easier, and it fills your life with so much power. Now, you've got to find some balance here. I went to IU Credit Union last week, and they had this new little gal behind the counter, and I went up. She said, can I help you? And I said, well, I'd like to check my balance. She said, excuse me? I said, I'd like for you to check my balance. She said, are you sure? I said, yes. So she came out around that little door, came over, just pushed me, shoved me right to the ground. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm checking your balance. It's not very good. Well, here comes the manager. He said, what's going on here? I said, I asked her to check my balance. She pushed me down. He said, I'm sorry, she's new. Let me check your balance. What do you want to check? I said, my checking. He said, I see you've got 10K in your checking. I said, I got 10K in my checking? He said, yeah, but the K is silent. You've got to be careful with your balance, okay? Listen, we need to wise up, South Union, in our homes and in our families and at this church. The Holy Spirit of the living God is alive and active and doing amazing things right now, counteracting the evil one. And we got to be alert to that, but we got to find some balance. we got to stop thinking every twig that snaps and every light that blinks 
And every word that the preacher speaks and every wind that blows is from the Holy Spirit. We got to test the spirits, the Bible said. The, well, how do you do that? You spend time with Jesus. Get real quiet with him. Ask him, is this right? Is this right? He'll direct you to the Word. It's amazing how this works. Uh, very important stuff. Jennifer Hahn says, show me an owl with laryngitis, and I'll show you a bird doesn't give a hoot. <laughs> we we got to have a hoot on this one. i got to throw one in. You guys look really sleepy. You know what I'm talking about? This is important stuff, and before we pray about it, I want to tell you why in three quick ways. Number one, how we respond to the Holy Spirit in part determines our eternal destiny. I'll tell you what I mean by that. If I was to ask 10 or 15 veteran Christians in here to stand up and speak, and I won't, so don't get nervous, about how you came to Jesus, I think you'd see a pattern. I think the first thing you'd hear is something like, well, I don't know, I just knew this person, and it just was amazing to me. They always seemed happy and full of joy and peaceful, and I asked them one day why, and they told me they knew Jesus. And then I started looking into it. I found the gospel, the good news, and I found out that song, Amazing Grace, that you guys sing all the time really is true. It's amazing. And then they'll talk about this person or the sermon or the song that they heard, and they said, it's the funniest thing. I heard this person, I heard this song, or I heard this scripture, and something inside of me started moving around a little bit, and I felt this tug inside of me, and I felt this need to look more and to question more. And then they'll look at me and say, you know, it's almost like I was being led to Christ. And I just smile at them and say, yeah, yeah, you were. That's, that's how it works. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. He said in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. Who do you think does the drawing? It's the Holy Spirit. He comes after people. He convicts people. If you're a Christian, He's moving in you all the time, telling you to stop this or start this or be quiet here. If you're not a Christian, He's on you, man. He's coming after you constantly. Now, the, the uh, classic example of that is in John chapter 3 in the New Testament with uh, the story of Nicodemus. Remember him? Got up in the middle of the night, slithered through town so nobody would see, so he could talk to Jesus a little more about becoming a follower of Christ. Remember that? It's a neat story. You ought to look it up. My question is, who got him up out of bed in the middle of the night? Who inspired him to move in this direction? What was the Holy Spirit? He's the hound of heaven. Coming after people all the time. It would be my guess he's after somebody in here right now. One of you right now is looking up here, maybe two or three of you, and thinking, you know what, Cain, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm not a churchy person. I don't know why I'm tuning into you. I don't normally, just something about going on right now. I'm feeling this tug and this leading. Can I tell you it's the Holy Spirit? He's coming after you? Can I also tell you how to just give in? Just give in to leading and follow. It will take you to the cross where you're going to find a Savior who loves you so much, and this grace and this mercy that's beyond your wildest imagination. Follow the leading. In part, your eternal destiny is at stake here. But secondly, it's not just for seekers, it's for Christians too, because when the Holy Spirit leads us and we listen, it gives us confidence. It gives us trust. Most of you know me by now, you know I like to, I like to vacation. I like to travel. I like to drive. I've always loved to drive. But I like to fly too. And you know what I like to do at the airport is I like to watch people. Uh, I've, got, I've got a buddy, Byron Williams. He preaches over at Ellsville now, but he was at Salisbury for years. And, and he was telling me he likes to fly. He flies standby. You know why he flies standby? Because he's cheap. I mean, he's Rocky Langley cheap, you know what I mean? But when you go to airport and you watch these standby people, it's interesting. They're just pacing 
and chewing on straws, and they're watching their watch, and they're looking up to the board, and they're checking the ticket counter constantly. And then you look at the other group of people who are people already have their tickets bought, and that has always been me. And you know what we're doing? Oh, we're reading. We're taking a nap. We're playing with the grandkids. We're throwing Cinnabons and chocolate-covered raisins and pretzels in our mouth, you know what I mean? And, and we're watching the, the standby people pace and chew straws. It's funny to watch. You know what the, what the difference is, right? It's confidence. It's trust. I got a spot on the flight. I'm confident. I know I'm, I get to fly. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, we've talked about this before. If I was to tell you this morning that I was sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was coming in 15 minutes, and I knew it, and you believed me, you know what would happen? I guarantee this room would split in half. And on one side, we'd have people chewing and chewing on straws and pacing because they, they know it's D-Day. And they're thinking to themselves, I'm not sure. There'd be a lot of anxious people in here. On the other side of the room, you'd find these people on their knees singing and praising God. Finally, it's coming. I've been waiting on this day my whole life. I can't wait to get out of here. You know what the difference is, right? The difference is confidence. It's trust. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit somehow. It's different for different people. You'll get this nudge or this tick inside of you or a whisper or some kind of spiritual hug. If you ever have one of those, man, they're just amazing. The Spirit will relate to you that you are indeed okay, that everything's all right. And if I come back today, you're going with me. And I'm telling you, folks, this is the only way to live. And my question this morning, is this you? If the room split up today, which side would you be on? Because I'm going to give you a real sober moment. We've talked about this before too, but this is so important. If you happen to be on the side of the room, which hoping you're okay, wondering if you're all right, you need to do some business today. Because Paul makes it very clear that the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is to assure you that everything's okay. And if you're not getting that, you might have a problem. Because I'll tell you something else about the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give anybody false assurance. If you're not okay, he won't tell you you're okay. And so again, if you're not getting on a regular basis from the Lord that everything's okay with you and you're going when he comes, you might not be. I don't know. You know more about that than I do. But I'll tell you what, if you've got a question one way or another, I'd be running to this altar this morning, not walking, and I'd be asking. I know churches are these days trying to fill themselves up with preachers who tickle ears and promise health, wealth, and prosperity, and everything's happy, and they smile all the time, I'm going to tell you something. I'm sorry, but that's not my job description, and I can't do that anyway. Only the Holy Spirit of the living God can give you the confidence you need. You're okay. You say, well, Cain, I've been baptized. There'll be baptized people in hell. I guarantee it. It's not a ticket. Never has been. Yeah, but I go to church almost every week, and I, I'm in small group, and I teach the four-year-olds. That might get you in. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want No, there'll be all kinds of faithful, church-going, religious people that don't make it. Those aren't my words. Those are Jesus. He said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many people are on it. They're just walking around thinking everything's okay. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Only a few find it. You say, how can I know for sure? You spend some time with Jesus. Get quiet and tell him, I trust you, I need to know this. Hey, listen, he's your only source of hope anyway. It's not baptism or works. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a gift. 
He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I'd get to the altar today and make sure everything's okay with you, and I wouldn't leave until I got that done. I'll lock up for you later if you need me to. Quickly, two more things I'm done. I mean, real quick. Following these leadings lead us to personal growth. I mean, the Bible is a large book. Am I right? Anybody got one? Hold the Bible up. Look at the size of that thing, man. I mean, it's huge. How many of you besides me have read through that thing more than once? A lot of stuff in there. John 3.11, love one another. Okay, who do I love? And how often do I love them? And how do I love them? The Bible says pray continually and don't give up. Okay, what should I be praying for? And how far can I go before I give up? Luke 6.38, give and it will be given to you. Okay, I'd be glad to give, but who do I give to? And how much do I give them? And when do I give to them? And, And then you throw into that all this stuff that's going on in the world. Should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Should I follow this group? Or should I follow that group? And there's so many places we got questions and you just want to throw your hands up and quit. Unless unless you're being led by the Holy Spirit, the living God of the universe. John 16, 13 promises that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. All truth. See, here's the deal. You and I are expected to be obedient to the entire Word. That's a huge thing to live up to. But God is so gracious and so merciful that He allows us, forgives us, and allows us to grow at His pace for us. It's called sanctification, and He uses the Holy Spirit to do that. I've told you before, it seems like He's always pounding something on me. This, this last six months has been about living one day at a time because there's so much going on. Every devotion I open up, every song you guys are singing in here, everything Angie sends me, every book I get, it seems like every sermon I turn on TV the other day, Kenny Copeland was on TV. I don't even watch Kenny Copeland, but he was talking about living one day at a time, and it finally got. I finally got it. I'm, tr- I'm living one day at a time now. That's the way the Lord's always worked with me. We worked on integrity for years and years and years. We worked on me being a better husband and being a better papal and better dad. He's still working. You know what he's working on me right now? No, you know, it's not your business either. But he's working on me constantly, and I know he's doing that to you too. I, I, you know, I'm thinking I'm a better Christian today than I was 10 years ago, and I'm hoping 10 years from now I can say the same thing. And it's because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and leads me to all truth. And He's doing the same thing with you. Just got to give in to this, surrender to this daily. And then one last thing quickly. Following leadings are important because our future plans are affected by how we receive the leadings of the Holy Spirit. Ah, my goodness. Don't you guys want to know the truth? Aren't you tired of trying to find the truth? Is the vaccine deadly or not? Is it effective or not? Are we getting herd immunity or not? Should we be wearing a mask again or not? Well, what should we do with the Bitcoin? I couldn't afford one anyway, but you know what I'm talking about. All this stuff, all this political garbage, all this economic garbage, and we don't know where to go, where to find the truth, but you and I do. Jesus said, I am the truth. And once you get your truth from Jesus Christ, it is so liberating and so peaceful because then you get it from Him, you live it with Him. In other words, you don't find the truth and then say, hey, I found the truth, and you post it on Facebook, and I prayed about it. If you don't believe it the way I believe it, then you're a moron. No, when you get your truth from Jesus Christ, it's so peaceful, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to push that on anybody. I'm just going to live it. And then people see that, and they think, wow, where did you find it? I got that from Jesus. It's cheesy, but I pray. That's where we get our truth. That's how we live the truth. And then, then you take the next step. My favorite passage of Scripture, John 15, 1 through 15, where Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll produce much fruit for the kingdom. It's crazy how that works. 
you know, I, I've told you this before too, but I, just to hang out with me in the flesh, I don't think you'd want to spend much time with me. I, I mean, I know who I am in the flesh. I had a little man syndrome all my life. It's like how my nose is so big. I got beat up so many times. I was always trying to prove who I, you know. I'm the same as everyone in here. I've fought the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. I got a big mouth, sharp tongue. And the flesh, you wouldn't want to hang out with me much. But if you take Jim Kane and put him in the sunroom for an hour every morning with Jesus and then bring him to church and spend 45 minutes in his office with Jesus and then hang out with the staff who have done the same thing and, and then his alarm goes off every hour and reminds him whose he is and all of a sudden you got somebody you wouldn't mind walking around with, you know? You produce fruit just because you've been with him. It's his promise. It all starts right here. Connecting with him. You abide in me my broken body, my shed blood, and and I'll abide in you. So if you're here this morning and you belong to Jesus Christ and you're sure, thank Him for that, that you don't have to pace and chew on straws. If you're here this morning and you belong to Jesus and you're not sure, man, I would get up here and work on that right now. And if you're here this morning and you don't belong to Jesus Christ, you're getting pulled. I know you are. I'm going to sit right down here and pray for you. Come up here and talk to me.